Bill O'Reilly here, Friday, September 18th, 2020. You are listening to the O'Reilly Update. Here's what's happening today in America. Record number of Americans are tuning out sports. Ratings for the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, all down double digits. Recent surveys show upwards of 40% of the public do not want to see political statements on game day. That reality is clearly affecting the National Football League, the nation's biggest spectator sport. Since the season started last Thursday, NFL viewership down roughly 15% across the board. Ratings for Sunday night football fell 28%. Things got even worse for Monday night football. Pittsburgh Steelers at the New York Giants down 29%. Tennessee Titans versus the Denver Broncos fell 38%. That's a disaster. Despite the protests, kneeling, Black Lives Matter emblems, players wearing the names of people shot by police, radical leftist Colin Kaepernick thinks the NFL is not going far enough. Said the former quarterback, quote, while the NFL runs propaganda about how they care about black life and they're still actively blackballing Eric Reed for fighting for the black community. Unquote. Reed's a friend of Kaepernick. He is currently unemployed. He's a rough guy. I mean, there's not too many teams that want to sign a guy like that. So here's what's going to happen to the National Football League. Annoyed Americans will stop buying merchandise, a huge source of revenue for the NFL. TV ratings will likely continue to decline. The teams are guaranteed billions, so they'll not suffer when the ratings go down, but the networks will. In the end, it'll come down to money, as it always does. The average athlete in the league earns $2 million per season. Those salaries will begin to decline as NFL revenue does. What the players don't seem to understand is that the fans pay them, and many spectators, perhaps most, do not want to see politics on game day. And I am among them. I value dissent. And if the players want to make their political bent known, I'm for that. Just don't do it before or during the game. In a moment, listeners sound off. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD 
or text GOLD to 65532. Time now for the O'Reilly Update message of the day. Listeners sound off. We do this every Friday. You can reach me, Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Ben in Shelley, Idaho writes, I was thinking about the NFL and a player's desire to kneel during the anthem. I started thinking about the significance of kneeling and realized I kneel when I pray. Kneeling is really a sign of humility and respect to something greater. Subjects knelt before their kings. I know we stand for the flag and the national anthem out of respect and tradition, but is it possible we're looking at this kneeling thing with the wrong perspective? Very interesting letter, Ben. But I can tell you that the kneeling and not coming out of the locker rooms by the football teams have only one purpose, and that is social justice. Many of the players in the NFL, and 70% of them are African-American, believe we live in an unjust country, a bad country, a country where the police stalk young black men. I don't believe that. And my opinion should be respected just as I respect other opinions. So when I'm tuning in to see a sports game, I really don't want to see left-wing politics. And that's what it's all about. Art in Charleston, South Carolina, great town. Bill, would you ever consider a killing slavery type of book? If you do, you must include Charleston. Well, that's right. Charleston was a slave port. Well, I wrote Killing Lincoln. And that has a lot about slavery in it. It's a very honest book, and um, it's not a definitive look at slavery, but certainly you'll get a lot of information. Roots is a book that cannot be topped. Um, All Americans should read Roots. You remember the television series, but the book by Alex Haley is really spectacular. So I'm not going to get into this territory because I can't top Roots. Robert. Carson City, Nevada, the capital of the state. Bill, you have mentioned on more than one occasion that there will be large layoffs in the mainstream media networks after the election. I know if President Trump loses, there will be no one of his stature to focus their hate on. And I know that viewership is down because folks are tired of the hate. If Trump wins, he's still there for the haters in the networks to go after. So have I missed something? Yes, Robert. So my prediction is that if Donald Trump loses the election, few Americans are going to tune in to news on a daily basis to watch the Biden administration. So the audiences will fall anywhere from 30 to 50 percent. If Trump wins, then there's no more drama. The haters will still hate, as you point out, and that's not going to stop. But there's no more, will he win? Will he get impeached? Will he this? Will he that? You'll have Donald Trump for four years. John in Centralia, Illinois, do you think it would be smart for President Trump to reply to Bob Woodward's book on downplaying COVID? No. I think the best thing that President Trump can do for his campaign is to minimize the COVID chaos. Matt, Brian, Texas, who's the best U.S. president of your lifetime and why? Ronald Reagan. I wrote a book, Killing Reagan. I hope you read it. Ronald Reagan almost assassinated, lost a lot of mental acuity, made a miraculous comeback. I'm Bill O'Reilly, and I approved that message by actually writing it. In a moment, something you might not know. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the O'Reilly Update brings you something you might not know. Halloween, one of the most commercially profitable holidays in America. Consumers spend more than $9 billion on costumes, decorations. Another big item, the horror film industry around Halloween time. As the weather cools down and folks get ready to carve that pumpkin, here are the scariest movies of all time, ranked by Esquire magazine. Number five, 1979's Alien. Most of the lasers used throughout the film were actually borrowed from the British rock group The Who. The band was testing their light show on a nearby soundstage when Alien producers co-opted the lights. Next, Steven Spielberg's Jaws, a film widely blamed for a worldwide phobia of sharks after the movie's release. Despite terrorizing swimmers each summer, the film's iconic Great White is on screen for a total of just six minutes. Jaws is... Frightening, there's no question about it. Number three, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. The movie was edited dozens of times before censors approved the final product, claiming the film was too terrifying for moviegoers. Well, today, uh, that film, Psycho, seems tame compared to some of the gore fests Hollywood puts out. But Psycho with Anthony Perkins, uh, it's a little uh, disturbing, that's for sure. Second scariest film of all time, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. A grueling film schedule, sub-zero temperatures, demanding director and reports of ghosts on the actual set of The Shining made production a nightmare, pardon a pun, pushing actress Shelley Duvall to have a nervous breakdown. That's true. To get Jack Nicholson into his role, Kubrick made him eat Grilled cheese sandwiches, which Nicholson despises. That here's Johnny scene? That's terrifying. The number one scariest film, The Exorcist. Released in 1973, the film was met with widespread loathing from the Catholic Church, concerned parents, other groups. The controversy prompted hundreds of death threats against the actress Linda Blair, who they claim glorified Satan, which is... Absolute nonsense. The Exorcist is a classic. Very scary, because it could be true. Back after this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Thank you for listening to the O'Reilly Update. I am Bill O'Reilly. No spin, just facts, and always looking out for you.